guys welcome back to hempication it's been a bit happy 2021 man we're like what day is it like the 23rd so yeah um all right so today i just wanted to talk about a topic that i kind of got into this morning um so it was istdp and what that is, it's, it's if, if I haven't spoken about it uh, recently, it's an intensive psychodynamic uh, kind of psycho, psychotherapy, um, but it's like a short term. So I think it stands for intensive short term ISTDP dynamic psychotherapy or something like that. Because um, usually psychotherapy is a longer form of therapy. There are other types of therapies like CBT, DBT. Like CBT is usually like every four weeks there's a new module. And I think there are like four modules total. So I think C- DBT, sorry, DBT is like, it's a dialectical behavior therapy. And I think it's like 16 weeks or so. Um, if you don't count the off weeks where you can take breaks between and then cbt i want to say cbt is like 12 sessions but i could be wrong um i could be wrong about that actually um about cbt but that's cognitive behavioral therapy but i know it is a shorter one it's just i haven't done any of these kind of group therapies in a while um so or therapies in general in a while like more intensive with like a specific client for like quite a while now so I'm, I'm kind of blinking on the little details already but I don't want to stray away from it um too much so I want to keep keep up to date um there's a guy on YouTube called Dr. S- Dr. Sia doctor is D-R and then S-I-A so he does a lot of ISTDP videos and um he does some role plays and some like sh- like short like 6 or 9 or like less than 10 minute um informational little uh clips too. Um so the one that I was interested in was the one that was about attachment and um what was it called? Attachment he was looking at avoidant attachment disorganized attachment and um I mostly just wanted to talk about the avoidant attachment part um so he was talking about that let me see if I can even just look it up because I'm not even remembering right now um let's see sorry so I gotta look in my history and see what it said so Yes, self-criticism and avoidant attachment. Um, So with self-criticism, he was looking at kind of how the... Well, he wasn't saying this in so many words, but um, basically looking at avoidant attachment, avoidant attachment looks at, um, you know, basically how somebody can have comfort in like social settings and with themselves internally and so someone with an avoidant attachment 
he was explaining that a person who has those types of um, uh, struggles, like they're going to have a complicated time when they're trying to be, uh, sorry, my brain guys, when they're trying to be like, um, like in, like in the presence of other people or even in the presence of themselves, especially they're going to have a difficult time, especially if they aren't, um, feeling confident and they tend to feel most confident when they feel like they are, you know, seen by others or judged by others or perceived by others to be successful and positive, you know, a lot of positive things. Um, and he was explaining also that this comes from, you know, a person who's been raised having a lot of harsh criticisms about even the small kind of mistakes that they would make or any type of small imperfection or or little things that they didn't do right, you know, they may have been raised by very perfectionistic parents or, you know, guardians and things like that, or just had a lot of experiences in life, uh, sometime around in their life where they were feeling very, um, like criticized often. And so they internalize this and then, you know, it develops into this, um, complicated situation. Um, and so oftentimes in ISTDP, um, you know, we talk about like the ego, the super ego. Um, so the ego is what's usually gonna like, just like put this as like a side note. So the, the ego is gonna be the part of you that kind of, you know, when it gets a little razzled, it gets a little defensive, right? So, um, the ego is what comes out when you're driving and somebody cuts you off on the freeway and you feel the need to curse and swear and honk the horn, right? The ego is what causes a reaction to, an, to another, uh, to some other, like, situation happening, right? So, like, situation A happens and then the reaction happens, right? Um, so if the ego is kind of bruised or, um, wounded, a person's going to usually have a defensive, uh, mechanism that comes up that, you know, tries to defend whatever underlying, you know, um, I don't want to call it a problem, but like an underlying, you know, understanding that the ego has about, you know, the self and how the self should be treated, how the self is, how the self should be. So something that doesn't offend a person, usually their ego defense isn't going to come up. So if you're just driving and you're having a good day and you're not in a rush and you know you're driving slow and somebody cuts you off, you know, you're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, make sure that I'm safe and turn up the music and sing a little louder. And, you know, you're not really feeling like a need to react in a way out of a defense because it's not bothering you you're not triggered by this but when you get triggered by something um because there's another part of you underlying that that understands or has this conceptualization of the self and how the self interacts with the world and the people around that um that you don't want to really be um kind of like you don't really want to be like, like, 
injured, right? Or your feelings hurt. And so you react, right? Um, because it's, it's almost, it's, and it's usually kind of an automatic reaction too. Um, even if you don't say, if you get cut off and you don't even really swear or curse, you might feel like your heart rate go up and your muscles get tense and you're like feeling a little angry and upset. Um, even if you don't react to it, like externally, you might still be having like an internal experience that's very emotionally obviously changed from whatever you you were experiencing beforehand. And then part of this side note, which is becoming longer than I thought it would, um, part of the side note is the superego. Um, so the superego, um, in addition to the ego, so what the superego does is it tells um, a person about itself so the way that the super ego becomes problematic um because the ego and super ego aren't really always a problem but the issue is how a person kind of feels about it and so um the super ego will come in like on the negative end it's going to come in unannounced and kind of tell you stuff you know, make you feel guilt, make you feel shame, make you feel embarrassment. Um, I had a supervisor that would um, train us in, uh, in ISTDP and she would teach us about, you know, talking to clients about um, how the the super ego, you know, when, when someone starts making comments like, oh, like I'm, I'm worthless or like, oh, like I'm just not good at that or like I could never do that kind of thing or like I'm not motivated or like something that's like a negative attack on your character or like, oh, I should have never done that or like those types of things. Um, usually that's coming from a place of the super ego. And usually um, she was explaining that, you know, it's a good idea to say something along the lines of the super ego isn't welcome here and kind of like verbally talking the super ego out of the conversation and out of kind of the mental space that's trying to actually process something because what happens is the super ego comes in and starts telling us negative things about ourselves and then the ego is there to just kind of buffer or like just kind of there waiting to help you react in case something is kind of um, attacking your sense of yourself and so if your sense of the self that you have so this, those were the footnotes the ego and the super ego were the kind of footnotes side notes so let's come back to what we were actually saying so we have the self-criticism and that's why i mentioned the ego and the super ego because the self-criticism comes from the super the ego and the super ego right um so i just wanted to put those two out there because it it makes more sense to look at it from that perspective so say for example if i'm um let's use this car example again and i think you know, that my worth, you know, because maybe I've, I've been raised or trained or, you know, I had a, an environment that led me to develop an idea of myself um, that, you know, I need to be successful. I need to show that success by the things that I own. So I need a nice car. I need one that runs and works really good. And I need like just good, you know, people to look at me and see that 
have a good reputation, right? I don't need people to be like, ah, you're probably not having any money. That's why you don't have a nice car. Or you're probably not intelligent. That's why your car's breaking down and you don't know how to fix it. Or, you know, um, you probably don't know anything about cars or you probably, you know, like someone who has those types of self-criticisms from an avoidant standpoint, um, they're really going to struggle with people viewing them negatively. Um, and it's really not, um, possible to a hundred percent know what another person's perspective is. We can speculate, we can guess, you know, even if somebody tells you by their own word of mouth, what they think, I mean, it's, you can't really say 110% for sure that just because they said it with their words means that that's what they mean. And even with somebody, you know, just picking up on people's mannerisms and their body language and their nonverbal, um, you know, when you're kind of in, in face-to-face or even online now, like on Zoom contact and things, um, when you're interacting with someone, you can't really tell just by the way they interact. Now, you kind of can assume a lot of things and kind of think, okay, if people are avoiding me or people are blocking me or deleting me or never answer to me or never invite me anywhere or never do anything, you know, that they don't like me. But it's like, even if they're telling you they don't like you, you, you can't really 100% know, right? But that's where the issue already becomes tricky is because someone with an avoidant style of attachment, they're going to really be sensitive to the non-socials that they pick up from, you know, with people's mannerisms or like if they roll their eyes or don't answer them, they're going to interpret these things in a way, you know, that, you know, means something that maybe it's being looked into too much um, by this person, or they might actually even think about their own, like, um, like the words that other people have said to them and like the messages that they've gotten from other people verbally that they remember or the way they interpret it. And they internalize these, these thoughts. And so all this negative stuff gets kind of trapped and kind of kept in a place that people kind of feel like this is, this is what people kind of think of me. And so this is the stuff I don't like people to think about me and I don't want me to be represented like this. So I'm going to cover it up by all this other stuff. But people do that based on their attachment styles. And so someone with an avoidant attachment style is going to try and cover things up with the outward looking successful, the outward covering up all of the blemishes, all of the things that look problematic. Um, And they're going to be very hypersensitive to criticism, to job loss, to, you know, getting kicked out of out of something, um, getting excluded or even broken up with or divorced. Um, I mean, everybody, most people, I would say, don't like enjoy those types of situations. But depending on a person's attachment style, they're really going to react to them differently. And so the self-criticism that a person experiences is is really coming from the ego and the super ego. So and the ego, it can come, it can come kind of, I don't know if it's always, but I think more often it comes up in real time. And I feel like the super ego kind of comes up after the fact. 
Now, I I mean, I haven't really thought too much into that up until just right this moment when I was mentioning it. So um, it's possible that the superego is still like underlying, like it's not like fully consciously, you know, doing these things. And the thing is, guys, you got to remember, it's the fact that this isn't fully consciously happening, right? We don't even catch it a lot of the time. And so that's the important point that I really want to make is that it's really important to pay attention and just be like mindful and aware of the things that you are experiencing and just try like when you start feeling negative and you start feeling down and you start feeling just like like low it's really important to kind of take a step back because I think a lot of times we don't really do that. We don't really take that step back and say, wait, why do I feel this way? What is going on? Right. Um, I I have a lot of experiences waking up in the morning where I'm just like not feeling too great. And it's like, there's no reason for me to not feel great because I slept. You know what I mean? I don't sleep all that well a lot. I usually can't get enough sleep, enough restful sleep. Um, unless I fall asleep like really early and I really don't like falling asleep at like before nine o'clock PM or even near nine o'clock, I'd rather stay up like past midnight. And it's like, I kind of get more enjoyment staying awake, learning things, doing things. But then the next day I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I already don't feel good. So that's already going to be the first part that when I start my day, I'm already going to be feeling maybe if like a hundred percent you know, is like you wake up and you don't even need your alarm and you just wake up and just get going and you're not having any negative thoughts. I would say I would, I would, I would wake up feeling already not even a hundred percent, like feeling lower than that. Like say if the average was like 70% and then like, if you're feeling lower than 70%, you're not passing. Right. So you're not feeling good. So you're feeling like pretty low. So if you're like in the sixties, you know, like feeling 63% or whatever, it's like, dude, that's a, that's already a low place to start. Cause that's how the tone of your day is set. You know, if you're starting at 63%, you can try to do things to boost that, you know, boost that percentage to make yourself feel better, hopefully in a healthy way. Um, or you can mask it in a way, or you can, you know, just hold it and start your day at 63% and, hold that lug that around with you just as is from the second you wake up and that is the part that I think a lot of people experience and a lot of people have a hard time with is changing that quickly before it gets lower and lower and lower um because what happens if I start my day at 63 percent and I'm not doing anything you know say I start my day I work at 8 a.m Say for some reason, if I wake up at like 7.55 a.m. with just enough time to get up out of bed real quick and like run to the bathroom like really super quick, brush my teeth and comb my hair if I could. I can't even do that in five minutes and log into my computer and start work on time by eight. But say if that was okay, say 7.50, I might be able to to do it then because I'm working from home. So I'm not even leaving. But say you want to get somewhat dressed, you know, or somewhat ready um, and log in exactly at eight. And so if I give that as the scenario or the, the example, I'm waking up super early and just starting and 
well, not super early. I'm waking up like right when I need to start. So I'm already waking up feeling 63%. I'm already feeling bad because I didn't sleep enough, right? But then that doesn't even account for what's my internal dialogue like? Did I even eat breakfast? Am I even hydrated? Am I even ready to like function? I didn't even like do anything to like buffer that 63%. I just hit the ground, start running. And I haven't tended to, you know, focusing on how does my body feel? How do I feel emotionally? I just know I feel crappy and I'm just starting and I'm not doing anything about the crappy feel. And then anything bad that happens from that point, because there's nothing kind of building up, like in a positive way, there's nothing improving the the condition. Likely, if someone's not aware of this, what's likely going to happen is unfortunately, they're going to start feeling lower than 63%. So it might go down to 62, 61, 50 something, you know, mid, mid, you know, 59, like mid 50s, you know, um, until you finally do like you're gonna have to do things like eating and hydrating and you know getting your kind of energy up and getting motivated to work and like doing all these things but if you're already working it's gonna be depending on your job my job my type of job you can't really be doing all that and trying to work it's like you're either working or you're not working like it's like you can't you know you're working with people you know you're having conversations usually they're talking about serious topics about their health or their their like emotional state and you're trying to like absorb it and kind of help them process things in real time you're not trying to think about your own issues and cook your breakfast and like you know meditate and like deep breathe and do all this stuff by yourself for yourself while you're trying to help, you know, with the treatment of somebody else. And so if you take that example and you start and you just start like trying to, you know, look, just look, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just mentioning this because it's like a method of like looking at and observing and viewing a situation um, just trying to like, just look at it from the outside in. And I mean, I, I'm sure that this is making sense to a lot of people though, because a lot of people wake up feeling crappy. That's why a lot of people wake up and they're like, I can't function without coffee, you know, or caffeine, because it's like, at least it gives you a jolt. It gets you, it's a stimulant. So it gives you like energy in a way that makes you feel more euphoric. It gives you that dopamine hit, right? But there is a way to get that dopamine hit without actually having the coffee. It just takes a little longer and a lot of awareness and, you know, method to kind of like build that up Um, and trying to find out your own method on your own uh, on your own uh, time. So you can kind of find out how to actually, you know, practice healing of yourself and practice helping your own self and practice, you know, um, your own health, you know, improvement just on your own and knowing how to do it. Cause I mean, I'm just explaining it in like theory and with kind of examples that I'm hoping, I really hope it makes a lot of sense, but it's like, it's just the method that you look at something. Um, now the issue is, is that it becomes something that a person is believing right? We rarely take a step back and look and say, like, I'm believing that I feel this way, or I, you know, like, I'm, I'm, we never really do that, take a step back. Well, not never, but I mean, some people do, I'm pretty sure. Some people, this isn't new information for them, but, 
um, for others who it might be new information or if you're trying to just, you know, just listen, listen along and hopefully it's making some sense. Um, it, it can kind of just be hard really to, um, to get to a place where you're feeling better, um, without doing a shortcut version. And I'm not here to judge or say don't, because I mean, for example, I've, like I mentioned, I've had trouble sleeping for like my whole life, but, um, with that comes other issues, right? So if you have trouble sleeping, it's not going to be easy to want to work out. It's not going to be easy to want to clean stuff. It's not going to be easy to want to eat healthy. There's a lot of things that are like, okay, if I'm too tired to even barely just get through work. And I mean, I usually have more energy than that, but it's like, say for example, if I'm too tired, I can only really put in an eight hour shift. How am I going to spend any other energy tending to balancing my, my life? Right. Um, and so, um, I hope I'm not straying too far off of the topic, but, um, if we want to take it back to like self-criticism and things like that, um, the reason why I was mentioning that is kind of like, you know, say if you're waking up and you're already experiencing that self-criticism, you know, because you feel low, right? So that's already going to be the first factor. If you're waking up feeling 63% and then there's nothing that you've done yet and then your mind, you know, your super ego might already be coming in, you know, you know, I have that experience, you know, if I wake up and I'm not feeling 100%, and it's not every day, but like, I'll notice it and I'll be like, my mind just starts going to like these negative places. It's just like, oh, like, remember that thing that you said or did or like whatever or how that person thought that you meant this other thing and it's just like it's like in it for like a negative reason you know and it's just like man like nobody wants to wake up thinking about negative stuff with some kind of like you know a super ego that's telling you like ah you screwed that up and then, you know, you have this other part of you that's like the ego that's that's like trying to protect you from your super ego in a way sometimes, too. So it'll be like, OK, like like, you know, and that's any type of automatic defense that starts coming up. So things like um, like drowning it out with like something completely different um so listening to like a podcast for example that's like positive and uplifting and really trying to focus your attention on that can kind of drown out the negative um you know trying to counter it right so because what the ego is going to want to do is it's going to want to bring up an automatic defense anytime it, it it starts feeling like oh that that part of myself is getting you know attacked again and you can even do it to yourself, which is the problem, which is why I'm mentioning this, is that it can be this whole thing going on within your own mind where your superego is telling you all this negative stuff and then your ego is trying to defend against it because it's, you know, it it does that. It it brings up automatic defenses. So that's, that's why people fight. That's why people argue. That's why people, um, you know do things automatically where it's like they don't seem like they were really thinking and they kind of maybe weren't fully thinking things through you know 
Um, we've all seen, you know, in movies where somebody like, you know, like in the 50s or 40s or whatever, when they get like really mad and then like the wife like smacks the husband or something, you're like, oh my gosh, like that's not appropriate, you know? And it's like, it seems just like it's like an automatic, like she just gets offended and just like slaps him and it's like, oh dang, you know, like, you know, things like that are just like intense. It's like, damn, like calm down. Um, but it can be anything. It can be like that that's why people just kind of automatically lie that's why you know people can start getting tearful or crying if somebody says something negative towards them um people can just lash out and start an argument and just start like saying things that are really mean and hurtful and then they're like oh like I didn't mean that to come out that way you know like these are common experiences that people have and that's where the ego comes into play Um, And it doesn't even have to be so, like, intense. It can be anything like sarcasm, you know? Like, if somebody's in a social situation and they're not, like, fully comfortable, they might be sarcastic. Um, They might make remarks that are kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a passive-aggressive, like, offensive thing, but they're, like, saying it as if it's a joke so that you kind of know that, okay, the way you're presenting this is as if you're trying to be funny and make me laugh but you're saying it in a way that's putting me down, even if it's, like, a little thing, like, like, somebody's like, oh, your hat looks stupid, ha, 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 just kidding, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, oh, I was just gonna say hi, I miss you, but, ha, your hat looks stupid, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, like, you can kind of tell maybe this person's just uncomfortable, that's why they're doing that, maybe they're just a jerk, but if they're not really a jerk, you know, sometimes that's why people kind of do that kind of stuff, um, but it's it's just basically going to be super important to kind of notice when these things start happening. Notice the patterns that, that we all have. Notice the patterns you have. Notice the patterns other people have around you. Especially, it's, this is especially going to be important. If you have people in your life that are triggering to you, and I'm not talking about the toxic people that you don't really need to be around and, you know, trying to, too, like you know, if you're in, like, toxic relationships, it's best to not be in them, um, I would say, um, I mean, things can be mended and change, but, I mean, also, you can leave, so, I, you know, um, it's, it's up to the discretion of each individual person to make those decisions the way they want to, but, um, you know, if you're in a relationship that has a lot of uh, maybe turmoil or a lot of just, you know, like just per- somebody who gets on your nerves, but maybe they're not to a point where they're like fully ab- abusive towards you or doing things that are like way crossing your boundaries. But maybe they do one or two things that like every so often makes you not really want to be around them. You know, like maybe they're too obnoxious or maybe they're, you know, always like trying to like compare themselves to you and like boastful about themselves or like stuff like that. And so it helps to notice your own patterns of reaction to things that bother you. Anything, anything, social situations, things that happen when you drive, what happens when you go to the store, what happens when you wake up, go to sleep, when you eat. Um, what kind of things are you comfortable in different settings? What types of things are you not comfortable with in certain settings? And then also looking at the other people and other factors and other situations in your life and seeing, okay, when I'm with this person, how do, how does, 
how does it feel when we're at a club versus a bar versus at the house versus in the car versus, you know, different, you know, going on a hike or going to the beach, you know, like it takes a lot of introspective kind of like deep kind of sitting and thinking about these things and processing them, which is what often people don't want to do this because it's uncomfortable. It's not fun to sit around and think about problems it's more fun to sit and watch Netflix or turn on the TV or even get distracted by, like, the news. And I'm not saying that, like, people need to be, like, deeply processing all their emotions and, like, problems all day long because that's not balanced either. But it's it's more balanced to try and process some of it. And so, you know, um, sometimes it can help to just build up a tolerance to stuff to just... Think about one thing that you're upset about, even if it, it, you know, and I I would say like, say you wake up, you're feeling 63%, which is low already. And then think about one thing that's coming to your mind that's making you feel bad. Um, If it's physical, that is something that can be coming from an emotional place. Um, It can be coming from like a, you know, a thought process too, or the combination, but it's hard to tell if it's a physical thing. It might just be physical, like, too. So you have to take into account all the kind of mind and body and everything um, together, like, you know, like, and figure out why you don't feel well. Because um, say if you're, you're 63% at the start of your day and you've done nothing to kind of boost that up, by the end of your day, you're going to be so low. Like, if you think about, like, your cell phone battery even that can get all the way down to like zero it's like if you never charge that phone I mean it's just I mean I don't want to say like it's not that like you're gonna die but I mean like you can only sustain your energy for so long before it gets to zero without doing anything to charge it right just like a phone so some people you can go all day with your phone and it's and it's gonna stay you know close to 100 percent Some people you wake up and your phone's already like halfway done. So you might have to already like start charging it. Right. And then if you don't charge it, you can't expect that it's going to just last all day because if you haven't charged it and it started at like 50 percent and now, you know, midday, it's even, you know, now it's even like half of that, like 25 percent and you're still not charging it. You're still not charging it. And then you're just waiting and like, okay, like when's the phone going to get back to 100 percent? Like you got to do something to get it there. Right. Just like with our own selves, it's like something has to change and has to happen first for that process to kind of um, increase the energy and so or change the energy or change the frequency of the energy rather. Um, But you're basically recharging yourself. Um, You can do that from the second you wake up. And the cool thing is if you wake up feeling 100 percent, you can even get better than that. You can wake up feeling 100 and then you know, charge yourself to a place that you feel even more, you know, better than, like, you're good, um, you feel great, you know, um, but it depends where you start, how long it's gonna take, or other circumstances that come up in the day, because there are other factors that are gonna drain you, so that would almost be equivalent to if you're using a cell phone, smartphone or something and then you use well smartphone you use different apps so if I'm using the recording app for my you know video and then audio recording and then watching videos 
um, on the internet and I'm not hooked up to Wi-Fi and I'm using 5G and like all these things are going to drain my battery more than me just having my phone, you know, because it's running in the background all the time anyways. And so um, it just naturally runs out of juice and naturally the battery is going to run low. Um, just like naturally our batteries run low. You can't wake up and stay up and stay awake and actually function forever. Like eventually you're going to get to a place. I don't want to call it dying, but let's say where you have to go to sleep, right? Eventually you're going to run out of energy to the to the point where you just can't function and you have to go to sleep to at least recharge enough to function. You have to eat to recharge to function. You have to do basic things to recharge to function. And if a person isn't doing those basic things, it's going to be super, super difficult to try to get the energy where it needs to be in a healthy way. Right. Because that's where it comes in to sit to start doing unhealthy things. Now, I mentioned coffee and things like that. I'm not you know, I was raised actually um, with a negative viewpoint of caffeine. Um, But the more I kind of just notice how it plays a role in my life, it's like. I wouldn't be really functional a lot of days um, if I didn't have caffeine in my system with the amount that I need to function in the in the places that I'm usually in, like at work and, you know, even the hobbies I have and the ways that I make money and things like that, like the way I support myself, the way I survive and the way I socialize and interact, like usually it takes a lot of energy um, for me to do that to be able to do the things I want and be able to do the things I need, I need a lot of energy. Now, if you don't need a lot of energy, that's different. But it's like, you know, a job like mine where it's like, I'm constantly dealing with like crises, like there's like crisis situations happening. And it's like, I can't be all like falling asleep and like not able to do my job, because that negatively impacts other people. So things like caffeine do help because it's like at least I can think on the fly. I can think sharply. I can think quickly. I'm not like stumbling around and like, you know, maybe I am stumbling around. I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> um, I'm not saying things have to be perfect. I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect. But um, it's just important to note that um, we can really um, focus on something for ourselves to improve the condition that we have, um, to improve our own conditions, um, we can do this on our own. And I mean, one way that really helps is to take time to step back and just observe what's happening with yourself and with your environment that you're in at any given point in time, not tuning it out with like earphones or earbuds or anything like just being present and being there and actually thinking about it in detail. Um, so for example, you know, some things that a lot of people like that I'm not, I'm not knocking it. Cause I mean, like I do these things too, like, but you know, I think about it a lot. Cause I'm like, why, why would I rather come home? You know, I, I live, well, I don't live like by myself, but like I, I live pretty much by myself. Like for the most part, like I, I live in a house that has other people in it, but I'm not like there to interact with them. I just live there. And so do they, but I'm not like, we're not like buddies. We're not like family. Like I, and I don't mind that. Like, that's what I want. Actually. We just kind of live together. Um, and we'll talk, but I'd say that we're like, it's almost like apartment neighbors where it's like, 
you see your neighbor who lives in the apartment next to you and it's clearly like a different house that's kind of how we treat our house almost is like is like each room each different person's room is almost like its own little apartment and so like you do what you're gonna do in your room and if we're in a common space you might talk but we don't really talk you know we don't really interact so um that is kind of how we um engage in the house or don't engage but I like that that's what I prefer because most of my energy is spent um dealing with other people and so usually in my free time unless it's people that are like my friends or family that I actually really want to see you know there are other people that I kind of just don't really I mean I don't mind if I see them because most people I like but it's like I don't mind if I see these people but it's like you know I don't want to be obligated to like interact or you know drive people to their appointments or help people cook their dinner or set a table so we can all eat together and like wait for somebody to get back from work like I have I I don't have any obligations to them nor do they to me and so we all live together and so yeah I I kind of have my own space do my own thing cook my own food so or don't cook or just buy it you know and then basically the reason why I'm mentioning all that is because like say I come home and I'm like okay it's dinner time I want to eat my dinner and then it's like you know why do I need to turn on Netflix to eat my dinner you know what I mean it's like that's there's really no you know if I'm literally just trying to eat right I shouldn't need to be watching something at the same time now, when you're by yourself, this is maybe a lot more interesting to watch something. And, you know, it it kind of does help you unwind. But the food that I eat, I eat food that I love. Like, tonight, I'm going to have some sushi for dinner. I think I'm going to have a California roll. Um, or part of a California roll, maybe. And I have, like, an oyakodon. It's like a, like a, like a, I guess you would call, like, it has, like, green onions some other types of like um the white onions kind of sauteed with like chicken you know chicken pieces with like an omelet it's kind of like a like a like a scrambled egg and then they put like a sauce and you can put like soy sauce there's rice under that um sometimes there's like a like a like a a sauce a little bit of a sauce um sometimes sometimes not but it's really good and you know, then I'll have the California roll sushi, but probably not the whole eight roll because the other one has so much rice. But, um, yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff I like eating. So it's like I'm going to eat that for dinner and I love that food. So why would I not want to just sit and eat it and enjoy? But also it's like, you know, when you're sitting there, if your mind's like wandering, you know, that's a little uncomfortable depending where your mind likes to wander to. And then also if you're um with your family or something that's different or if you're with your friends that's different because you can sit you can talk you can interact but there's something about eating where oftentimes at least in western culture people seem a little uncomfortable to just sit and eat um in silence even if they're with other people or if they're by themselves they don't a lot of people want to watch tv and I also know a lot of people who, you know, they might come into their house, you know, after they've left the house, they come back in, they turn on the TV in the living room, turn on a radio in the kitchen, 
go to their room and it's like they kind of like noise in the background they like noise all over the place um some people just like the tv in the background things like that like i can't stand that i just i just like my own thoughts but then you know i think the reason the thing that makes it hard for me is because i'm i'm comfortable sitting with my own thoughts but they're not always like super positive and so i've learned to kind of be in like a quieter environment with lower stimulation levels but it's like now i'm just listening to this like internal dialogue and just kind of focusing on what i'm focusing on and then every now and then like i'll have like thoughts that are coming in about like god only knows like what random stuff and i know it's weird to people but it's like i've kind of had to take a pretty long time to get to that point now tonight will i go in the house and probably watch netflix and eat my sushi and stuff probably um or maybe not Netflix, I don't know, but I'll probably maybe watch something, I don't know, like, I don't really care, like, it's fine, you know, it's the weekend, I'm chilling, but there are days where I try to just sit, you know, or even, like, you know, I know some people like jazz, or, like, um, kind of dinner music, and stuff like that, that's kind of calm in the background, and that's nice, too, but I'm trying to change up kind of what I do, um, it's not, like, a goal, necessarily, because, I don't know, I've been doing it for a while, but I, like, I'd say that I, I enjoy having different experiences in life, um, it's something that I really value, and so, sometimes, even when I'm, like, it seems uncomfortable, I'm kind of down to just try, just because I'm, like, it just seems, like, you know, when I try to wrap my head around things, like, just, like, that whole explanation I gave about, you know, like, why can't I just eat in silence by myself, you know, what's wrong with that, you know, like, I like being alone sometimes, you know, like, a lot of people don't like being alone, they don't like being alone with themselves, um, and I get that, I mean, but there's usually a reason for that, and it's usually going to be because that internal dialogue is unfortunately not something pleasant to deal with, um, or memories that aren't that pleasant to deal with, or, you know, just, an environment that they're in that they don't really enjoy and you know that's going to be just hard to be in a silent place if you don't like it but um things can be changed too level of liking and disliking I mean you can train yourself to like things that you don't like I wouldn't recommend ever doing that for anything that's not healthy so I'm not saying like if you have like an abusive you know like cousin or something that you're gonna like go over there and force yourself to like like you know, the abuse, you know, I'm not saying that I'm just saying, you know, you can in a healthy way, kind of, it's called reframing, I guess, but um, you can kind of change the way you view things that you don't like, by just kind of changing the narrative behind it. Um, There are a lot of ways you can do different things. That's not the only method you can use. But I mean, for me, I like the narrative of like, we had another supervisor that talked about like peeling the onion you know it's a cool kind of concept that I've talked about before also where it's like you take something say if it's something you don't like or something that's negative or a negative thought or especially when it's like self-criticism like the super ego coming up um saying negative stuff about you or like condemning you or like attacking you or like making you feel like pretty shitty um you can basically ask yourself questions about that to kind of deepen your understanding of where the heck that's coming from um and oftentimes people don't do that either but it's like you think something about yourself like ah like like I 
you know, like I suck at my job. You know, if I say, if I think that, if I, if every day at, say if I worked a nine to five and every day at 5 p.m. I start thinking, oh, like I suck at my job, you know, and then, you know, if that's just where I leave it, those thoughts can just run wild to a point where it's like, I suck at my job. I suck as a person. I'm nobody. Everybody hates me. My boss always doesn't trust me and like all these kind of things. And then every day when you go into work, you're going to, that those things that come up that are related, it's going to amplify because you're going to be so aware of it all the time that it's just going to maybe eventually turn into something not working out or just having really bad days all the time because it's like, if you suck at something, you're not going to want to do it, right? So even if you do not do a good job where you work, unfortunately, I hope everybody does, but it's possible we've all had jobs. I think a lot of us have had jobs that we're just not good at or that we just can't get good at or that somebody doesn't give us a chance to get good at. And that's fine. You know, it's a normal part of life to, you know, figure out what you're good at and what you're not good at, your strengths, your weaknesses. Um, But if I have that narrative about work, my job, you know, um, I mean, if I never challenge it, I'm basically just going to sit thinking that I suck, you know, all the time. And that might just change into other things that you feel like you suck at. Um, And that can just go on and on and on. I mean, the mind can have endless amounts of negativity that it can just keep on going with and developing more and more in-depth ideas about like why you suck at so many things and if you're in this headspace all day most days that's gonna be that's gonna be miserable that's gonna be miserable but if you notice it when it's happening and start challenging it and asking yourself questions and exploring it and saying like hey like I suck at my job what what does that mean to me what does that mean about myself what does it mean that I suck about my job what what does it mean if I suck at this well if I suck at this then that means that you know maybe I'm a negative you know maybe I'm not smart you know so that's why I suck at this job because if I were smarter then I'd be better so what would it mean to be not smart what does that mean about myself you know things like that and keep keep on with the one negative idea and just kind of unpeeling it more and more and more and more to like layers till you get down to the point of um like these core beliefs that they talk about in CBT these core beliefs of yourself, of who you actually are, what it is that your ego is trying to protect. Um, You want to know that about you because that is usually not surface level stuff that you can easily access. A lot of us can't just easily be like, oh, like at the end of the day at five, I feel this way because, you know, of this other deep underlying issue. Like most of us don't really just like get there to like our level of self-worth and like where is this coming from and what how do I even know that this is accurate because I'm basically telling myself this you know and where is this even coming from you know like if I have a job and I'm still there and it's been however many years it's like do I really suck at it you know looking at different things that are kind of like maybe it's just me you know um but sometimes you know it's hard to find the evidence on your own too because it's like it's like you're telling it's it's almost like the blind leading the blind you're like kind of telling yourself something and like you don't really fully believe it about yourself anyways and then you're trying to find a way to believe a different thing um that you've never seen and that you're having trouble already seeing because you're automatically seeing something else 
you're automatically tuning into other things and then or you're tuning out of things that are you know showing you obviously different information and there's no way you can ever disprove it because you just look at it and you're like oh I've had this job 10 years and people keep you know giving me awards and all this stuff but then every day I tell myself I suck at my job but it's like do I really suck at my job if I'm still there all this time I'm not getting fired you know if you really suck at your job I mean you might get fired I mean in all honesty and you can get fired for jobs that you're actually good at so I mean um yeah I don't see any reason why people would have to keep somebody on staff that really sucks at their job unless it's like a you know a little rare experiences or rare, rare situations but um yeah I think that's the majority of what I had to add to this kind of topic I think that's where I really wanted to go with it all um was just kind of you know showing people that you know they can have a method of controlling this kind of negative feeling of the self and feeling like their self like any kind of self-criticism especially to someone with an avoidant um with an avoidant attachment style you know if if and the reason why i'm mentioning that is because in this time in our in a lot of people's lives they're losing their jobs they're losing their houses they're losing a lot of things there's a whole lot of loss and a lot of people are so attached i'm not saying it's negative it's just natural for a lot of people to just be so attached to different things in these ways that you know never people may have never thought those things would have ever been lost and now that they're lost they're they're like reevaluating a lot of things that they tell themselves about themselves a lot of internal messages that they're like struggling with because they're like oh man now I have to think about myself in this different way um you know it, it can be so so challenging I get that I'm not, I'm not even going to pretend like I don't understand. Like, I get it. Like, I'm just like everybody else. I'm not like some special person just because I like read some books and have a bunch of supervisors, you know, that have taught me a lot of things and that I kind of like to learn about it. It doesn't make me any better or more well-equipped than anybody else. You know, I still have automatic things that come up. I still have things about myself that I don't like. I still have negative aspects that come up every day, you know. Like, I'm not, like, any perfect person to be really giving advice or anything like that. But I'm I'm just, you know, I feel like there's a way that I kind of look at things sometimes that I think is worth sharing. So for people who are interested in tuning into that type of thought thought process and kind of doing that kind of work with themselves um these are just the methods I usually kind of use there are multiple types of methods that people can use um and I know um here at Hempication we talk a lot about like you know cannabis and you know THC CBD Delta 8 Delta 9 um CBN I haven't talked about much but I may have brought it up a little bit with just some products but um yeah, I like to mention, you know, the different benefits maybe of, um, um, well, I can't really say benefits. I don't know if I'm able to really use that term, but things that I've noticed with my own experiences, I would say, um, reasons why I like to use different types of, you know, THC products, even CBD products. I feel like, it kind of 
um, turns off certain layers of my mind that are just like, it's almost like white noise, pink noise. Like there's different like frequencies that are just like drowning out like all the other like deeper layer stuff that it's hard for me to like get to. But then if I have some even small amounts of THC in my system, like one milligram or or so, I noticed I'm better able to kind of focus in and do those different techniques like, you know, the peeling the onion or different forms of meditation or like going into the meditation and kind of finding different things out and like, um, I don't even know what it's called. I'm going to have to record something different about that altogether because I don't even want to start mentioning it and then I'm not even going to get, you know, it's going to just kind of be a weird ending to this. <laughs> I feel like if I have, I should make it into a whole different recording, but, um, yeah, I'd say that, you know, that's something that I really like to focus on is the is the use of um different types of medicinal um elements i don't know natural medicinal products um you know um i mean it it's come it comes from nature there are a lot of things that people have been using similarly or psychedelics and different things that, you know, open people's minds to different places that it's all in there. But I mean, if we really only use 10%, I mean, what's going on with the rest of it? You know, it's like, um, so that's kind of my two cents for today. Um, I haven't been around too much. 2021 yet but I'm just working on a lot of stuff right now it's it's a tough beginning to a new year so you know I got a lot of stuff I'm trying to work on and balance out and then kind of just really work on some some things that are really energy and time consuming so there's a lot of stuff that I haven't really put into my schedule it's not that I can't do it it's just that I'd rather rest or do nothing sometimes than um, do more things that take more energy and I do try to put a lot of energy into these recordings because you know I feel like they're important um the information is important to people um and if it's not important yet they might find it important later um so I really do appreciate when people listen and I hope that this was enjoyable and until next time Thank you.